I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan can want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome into what should be a Tuesday edition. It's kind of a Tuesday edition, but feels more like a Monday, but it's not really a Monday because it's kind of a Tuesday, but it's a short week. I got no idea what day it is edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City. Alongside Josh Taylor, I am Chris Mack, and we welcome you to our little corner of the internet, where if you're subscribing to Fourth Down in the Steel City, however you subscribe to your podcast, we appreciate it. Be sure to download, subscribe, rate, review, all those fun things. Be a part of the conversation with us. Yep, push the little buttons that Josh is pointing to wherever they are around your screen. If you're watching on YouTube as well, the 93.7 The Fan channel, we got you covered there as well if you prefer watching, which at least, judging by the numbers, I've I've been surprised by this, Josh. Before we dive into what Mike Tomlin had to say on Monday, short week press conference and all, it seems like, like a larger number of people enjoy watching us rather than just listening, which... I have not yet comprehended because I was always told I had a face for radio, but here we are. I think it's because they're so enthralled to see the empty space in my office that hasn't been filled yet. Or they're they're interested in the progress. Exactly. They want to see what's next. Or or they want to see how long my video stream actually stays stable when I'm doing this from the office. (laughs) It goes out in like seven-minute increments because – we, we're on that pay-as-you-go plan at Odyssey HQ here hey. in Pittsburgh where when the internet, when the when the hamster stops running on the wheel for a second to get a drink and bite to eat, the internet slows down. And then I just turn into a bunch of like Roblox-type uh, pixelations. I, I was on that plan like <laughs> 10, 12 years ago. Probably not too long after you and I first met. So I, I, I'm just saying I've been there, so... Everybody got to get through that. Everybody got to get through that time period. That's, That's true. That's true. We all we all got to go through it. All right. Uh, exactly. Mike Tomlin got Mike Tomlin had to go through the questions today. He was down on the south side answering them. And before we get into some of the stuff about preparing for Thursday and whether Kenny Pickett's healthy or not, all that good stuff, let's start with this: the look back on the officiating because we talked about it a lot after the game Sunday night, early Monday morning. And the first thing he said, it was his the first part of his opening statement was, and I'm going to call BS on this. I am just right here and now. We want to win convincingly and quote definitively enough that flimsy calls don't affect them. Um, at no point has the roster as currently constructed or the game plans as put forth on Sundays and the occasional Monday or Thursday given an inkling that Mike Tomlin wants this to be a dominant team. He sat there and espoused the virtues of having a quarterback who only shows up late in fourth quarters, and yet he's telling me now he wants his team to be dominant enough that they don't have to worry about bad calls. BS, I'm calling it right now, Josh. The only definitive, the only actual definitive one I could say was probably the Rams game, and it was definitive in that they kneeled it out at the end. That was the only definitive part. They won it by a touchdown. And 
you want to call that definitive, then fine. But that's the closest to the definition you're going to find with this group. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, it's funny because my ears perked up when he said we want to win definitively, and I'm sitting there going, "Okay, we're still we're still waiting on that. The next guy right. will be the first one in a while." But at, it, at the same time, it at the same time I got the I got the traces of the old Jimmy Johnson speech. Like if you date back to all the way when he was the coach at University of Miami, and they mm-hmm. lost to Notre Dame, and there were some controversial calls, and he said, "Look." You know, you don't want to leave the game in their hands. And he told them this before that game. He says, look, we need to get to the point where we're in such a good shape, or like, you know, as far as the score and everything, where we don't have to worry about relying on them to win the game. We don't want to leave it in their hands. Right. That part right. I do empathize with. The one he do win definitively part, that remains to be seen because it ain't happening. It hasn't happened yet. I don't know if it's happening anytime soon. I'm so, doing my like, best I guess Omar Epps meme face. Like, what – what did he tell Chris Carter a couple weeks ago? Keep watching. Mm. Keep watching. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, that's about we'll, it on that one. We'll keep watching and keep waiting. Uh, when he was pushed about it a little bit later, too, and some of the questions about the officiating, I think Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette asked him if he if he got any more clarity from the officials. or And he basically said, I'm going to keep those comments to myself as far as what questions he would be asking the officials. I would argue – that at least one of those comments was not kept to himself, as we all saw it on TV and uh, shared via he, social media. He's going to keep them to himself because he already made them. That's, that's yeah. why he doesn't need to repeat them now. I literally, the what the F is wrong with y'all today was, <sighs> I mean, I've seen my wife give that look to me. I've seen parents give that look to their kids at the park. I've seen teachers give that look to kids at school. I've seen the boss give me that look before the what the is wrong with y'all today. And then the reaction, I give that to look to people. Whatever, <laughs> I give that look to people probably two or three times, a, probably two or three times a week. I give people that look on the Fort Duquesne bridge. So yes, <laughs> but there you go. Um, we can kind of put that in the past now because did it affect the game? Yeah. We talked about it after the game. It's at least a six point swing. That I still want it on the shirt though. I still what want it on a shirt. What's wrong with y'all today? I yeah. want it on a shirt. I want it. And I, and and if I can get Mike Tomlin's face in the middle of it, that would be perfect. <laughs> yes. That that hey. incredulous look on his face, like we'll give him a cut. I'm cool with that. We can work something oh, out. Yeah, yeah, we'll get his charity or something, or we'll give him percentage. Absolutely. I'm cool with that. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, but as far as rolling into uh today and looking forward to thursday with just 72 uh, less than 72 hours really to get ready for a game um you get an idea of on these short weeks why home teams are so favored why home teams win so many of these games because really they're not going to work at all today if they work at all tomorrow to be very light uh, mike tomlin admitted they're that really they won't get an idea on the availability of some guys including kenny pickett until Wednesday and that he will be a true game time decision. So that's it. You get really about 24 to 30 hours maybe to evaluate Kenny Pickett. If you're Mike Tomlin and decide whether he's the guy or not, this is where it pays to have a backup quarterback or two who know the system pretty well, which they do have regardless of how good those backup quarterbacks may be. Um, but that's or how you that's feel about got. them. Exactly. Um, he, he did say it's going to be Trubisky if, if, if Kenny can't go on Thursday. So that is what it is. You know, I talked to cook and Joe, Ron cook and Joe Starkey, 
uh, earlier on what day is today again Monday about Monday. what which quarterback is preferred and it's six of one half dozen of the other for me nothing against Mason I am a little farther yeah. down the Mason path than some people not as far down the path as Chris Hoke is uh, no one's far down far, the path as no, Chris Hoke is no. Mama Rudolph ain't as far down the path as Chris Hoke is. I mean, come I, on. I can only think of two people that are that far down the path. One of them is Chris Hoke, and one of them is our, one of our former co-workers, Melinda Roeder. That's pretty much it. Yep. Those are the two. Not, yep. And uh, I'm not quite as far down that path as either of them. But I, I lean Rudolph a little bit more. But, I mean, you, you saw the, the little bit of an advantage Trubisky may have over Rudolph on Sunday when he broke the pocket and ran a couple times. And so I'm back, and what I was trying to say is that I don't think it matters who the backup is. I, I really don't. Uh, Trubisky or Rudolph, six of one, half dozen of the other. Gosh. I I thought you were on to something there as far as showing some of the things that Mitch Trubisky has that Mason Rudolph doesn't. The mobility aspect is something that really does aid Mitch Trubisky because if things fall apart, and we saw him do this a couple of times on Sunday, if things fall apart – if the pocket collapses, if let's say, you know, he can't find the space that he needs to get open and do some things like that, he can actually move around and keep himself in the play because he can do that with his feet. That's something that helps him and that may not help Mason Rudolph. However, the other side with Mason Rudolph, and I think this is something that Mason Rudolph does that's that could be better than Mitch Trubisky, and it might even be a slight edge that he has over Kenny Pickett. Mason Rudolph is actually a lot better at processing what's in front of him. Mason yeah. Rudolph can make that he can make that mental note, okay, when you get to this point, back foot hits, this guy's here, get the ball out, boom. That's one thing that he does really, really well. It's when things start to fall apart where Mason Rudolph kinda of comes kind of comes unglued. But that's but the I difference between the two. Yeah, I don't know if any of these three guys actually Trubisky might be the best at improvising when things totally fall apart. We saw that for a minute on Sunday. Right where he broke free and found Deontay Johnson down the field despite running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Um, you make a great point, though. And Brian Baldinger did a nice little breakdown on Twitter Monday morning of the picket throw to Deontay Johnson where Deontay slipped and fell in the end zone. And he yep. points out, hey, if he gets rid of it on time, this is a touchdown. I still don't know because I don't know if Deontay's slipping and falling because Deontay's trying to stop and catch a ball that's behind him, or if he's slipping right. and falling anyway, if Deontay Johnson realizes that the free safety is starting to come back to his side, so maybe he should sit down and Kenny's reading that. Here nor there, you're right. The lack of processing speed by Pickett post-snap has been an issue, and you can see it on that play. Whether you blame it on Pickett's poor throw or Deontay spikes or whatever you want to blame it on, Pickett waits just a beat too long to unload that ball. And honestly, that's something that probably you lose four points with. Because we, we talked about that first play of the game where he drops that ball. That that definitely should have kept that drive going. It mm -hmm. probably could have turned into points. I believe there was another drive where um, where Kenny Pickett was flushed out of the pocket. I want to say this was on third down, too. He flushes out of the pocket. Actually, might have been the same drive. He gets flushed out of the pocket. He rolls to his right. Puts out a throw to De uh, Deontay Johnson that couldn't be any better. Puts it right there yeah. on, on point. On the move, and Deontay just dropped it. It, it, it just this, in this particular situation, he reacted to things breaking down. He rolls out, gives himself a chance, and makes a great throw. And his receiver just couldn't hold on to it. It, it felt like there were so many plays like that that should have happened 
that just didn't for whatever reason. I'm think, uh, I think of the other third down throw where he tried to drop it on the corner route to George Pickens, that flag route, yep. and he kind of got too much air under it and the defender knocked it away. I feel like if that's a more accurate throw, we're talking about a different play there. It was just small things here and there where this offense could have been a lot more cohesive and been clicking a lot better, but just those small things didn't happen. Some of it was processing, some of it was location, and some of it was just not executing. And in this case, Deontay Johnson not securing the football. Yeah, and, and I do wonder if, with it being a short week again, like you're not going to have a chance to work on those timing things. You really do get just one practice in. That's it mm-hmm. on Wednesday. And so you, you're not going to improve the timing at all. It is what it is. Kenny Pickett may be banged up. Not sure how that how those injured ribs may affect whether he can actually get rid of the ball or not. If it's Trubisky... I don't think we're talking about his timing improving at all either with just one practice. So you got what you got at this point. And compared to what Will Levis and the Titans had on Sunday, that ain't good. Now, I will take solace in this. I will take solace in this. Mike Tomlin basically said that Joey Porter Jr. is a starting corner now. Yeah, Regardless of Levi Wallace's health, he has done enough to secure that role going forward. It, there, there usually isn't much rejoicing during a Mike Tomlin press conference. I'm sure there was when they heard that because there, there are people that have been clamoring for this. You and I included. We've wanted to see this yeah. happen. And I, I, think he's, I think he's spot on here. I think Joey Porter has done more than enough to show that he's ready to take the job. And I thought he showed it against the Rams. I thought he showed it in this, this past game, too, against Jacksonville. There were some things that he really did well. And he, he's getting into that thing where he's finding himself around the ball more. And that's not something you can teach for a defensive back, for that it, it, that instinct to get around the ball and be around the ball to make plays. That's yeah. something that I, I want to see more of, and maybe we can see that grow into something else as he gets more reps. Yeah, I mean, the most one of the most frustrating parts of Sunday's game was the knee-jerk reaction by, by some people who weren't necessarily paying attention uh, that think Joey Porter Jr. was the reason Travis Etienne went 56 yards for a touchdown. Nah. When we could all see that it was Demonte KZ who didn't yeah. didn't do his job there, um, so I'll repeat it once more for those who may have missed it. Joey Porter Jr. did his job there. Demonte KZ tried to make a play and vacated his responsibility, which led to Travis Etienne being wide open and running down the field for a 56-yard touchdown. But as Mike Tomlin also pointed out on Monday afternoon, Josh, it is a multi-man job replacing Minka Fitzpatrick. So KZ's going nowhere. He's still going to be in that role. Keanu Neal's going to be a part of this solution, if you want to call it that, or attempted solution to replacing Minka Fitzpatrick. Miles Killebrew, we saw him get some snaps on Sunday in that role. He'll continue to get some special teams ace, but eh, in coverage and in the secondary, who knows? Um, he He did not say no to the possibility that I brought up towards the end of Sunday night's show about Pat Pete being thrown back there a little bit. Quote, very versatile, really good football intellect, positional flexibility, all terms that Mike Tomlin used Mm -hmm. when asked about Patrick Peterson maybe being used at safety while and regardless of whether Fitzpatrick is healthy or not. So he didn't say no to it, Josh. He didn't out and out say no. Well, I I think he gave us the yes answer a week ago when they asked him about Patrick Peterson. And he was talking about, hey – you know, we we basically brought him in to be Cam Sutton because Cam Sutton yep. left. And he repeated I think that, that today, right? He repeated it today. I think we already know the answer to that. I think he gave us, you know, a, 
a, quite a few breadcrumbs at this point. And, and the fact that you've heard me reference this before, the bagpipe didn't say no. Really good Shel Silverstein poem. There's our first Gen X reference of the day. Um, but yeah, the bagpipe didn't say no. So that leads me to believe if he's not going to tell you yes, you fill in the blanks. And Mike Tomlin's known for doing this. So give, he won't give you a definitive answer, but he will leave you small clues to let you fill in the blanks. And I think this is one of those. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I think so, too. He also was asked about, you know, with the trade deadline being tomorrow, uh, I guess for those that may be listening to this on Tuesday, it's today. Um, he said, quote, we're always open for business. I appreciate that. I like him leaving the door open, leaving the light on Tom Bodet. Yeah, I like the fact that he left that possibility open. And I, I think that's more of a thing where it's not just Mike Tomlin determining that they're open for business. That might be a little bit of Omar Khan saying the same thing. Because if we've known anything from Omar Khan, he's not afraid to make a move around the trade deadline. We've seen that now at this point. We know he could be aggressive. And it also doesn't hurt that in Omar Khan's case, he has some draft capital to work with. Because remember, before the season, he he traded uh, both Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green and got draft picks back for those guys. I want to say he got three picks three or four picks out of those two trades. So you do have something to play with as far as what Omar Khan might be able to use in a potential trade situation. So yeah, Mike Tomlin saying, you know, we're always open for business. I don't know if that's kind of a smokescreen or if that's really a nod to the guy that he's already labeled the con artist is saying, hey, you know, you, you call him with the right offer, he just might go for it. Or if he calls with the right offer, someone else just might go for it. I think the most fantastical ideas I've seen though to this point include two first rounders and something else for Patrick Sertan. And I also, uh, also saw somebody throw out Kenny in a second for Justin Fields. Um, the bears have done a lot of dumb things in the last few years. I don't know what you think, but I think that may top the charts. If they took Kenny in a second for Justin Fields. I think the bears have been snookered at the trade deadline by the Steelers once too many recently. Yeah. That would be my official stance on the matter. I don't think they're going to do that a second time. But if they do, by all means, like, hey, bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, (laughs) I I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, if if nothing else, we saw the idea of Rush getting a helmet being included yesterday, which means another outside corner, kind of a, a poor man's Joey Porter Jr. I labeled him when they acquired him. Um, if you have to go with Porter and Rush on the outside and Pat Pete is playing somewhere inside or free safety or whatever in some sort of hybrid Cam Sutton, Minka Fitzpatrick light type role, I'll take that. I'll, I'll, okay I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it gives you better coverage on the outside, although we haven't seen Rush yet in a game situation at full speed get that opportunity. I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, look, it can't be worse. It, it, it can't be Levi Wallace again. <laughs> I was waiting on that part. Um, 
At the same time, let, let's not leave James Pierre out of the discussion because I don't think he Good played call. that badly against Jacksonville. I thought that first penalty call that they made against him was terrible because you had to literally go into the replay and find the frozen frame where he actually might have grabbed a receiver's jersey. I thought that was a little bit too fine. And I'm like, that's, I thought that was a little bit too ticky tack. But I thought other than that, he did, he acquitted himself pretty well. So, yeah, if you want to open up that possibility of a Joey Porter Jr., um, a Darius Rush, a James Pierre, a combination of those three guys with Patrick Peterson floating somewhere in the background, which I think he might be better suited now with the ball in front of him as opposed yeah. to over top of him or behind him and not being able to locate it. That might be better by comparison. I'm actually okay with that thought. Not only because it might be better for Pat P, but it might be better specifically for that back half of the defense because you're going to need guys whose eyes won't portray them as easily because you can't have that happening that frequently. DeMonte KZ, I think he just saw a beach ball and tried to just jump out and catch it. But he got there and was like, wait, it's not that big. And it was gone. It It felt that way with that play. And, and Pat Pete, look, he has a history of of being good on the ball, right? He yes, has a history exactly. of of capitalizing on turnover worthy plays. So if you need that in the back end of your defense, rather than KZ, who you're probably going to ask to just chill now and just play a little right. center field, then by all means, throw yeah. it out there and, and see how it goes. Especially if, like you said, you feel a little more confident in James Pierre after after Sunday's game. You, you feel like you might have something in Darius Rush. Then I'm all for experimenting in that secondary while while Mika Fitzpatrick is out. Back to the offense for just a couple minutes. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, at this point, like, A, I feel the same way about that, and B, at this point in Patrick Peterson's career, I want him coming to the ball instead of chasing it. So it, yeah. it works It works well from both of those scenarios. Because we saw what happens when he's trying to chase things down. That's, and that's Evan Ingram's running away from him. Yeah, good there, point. There you go. Um, Mike Tomlin asked if... George Pickens needs to have the ball thrown to him more. Quote, yes. That's it. That's all. Um, he did point out, you know, they rolled coverage Pickens' way um, most of the time on Sunday. Jacksonville did. We had an idea they might do that. I mean, that's what teams are going to do going forward is pick their poison. Do they want to allow Deontay Johnson to pick up eight yards at a time when he does hold on to the football and he and Kenny Pickett do connect? and ensure that George Pickens doesn't get open for big plays, big explosive plays uh, down the field? Or do they want to roll the dice with Pickett to Pickens and make sure that Deontay Johnson isn't available on every single play? I think most defenses you find, especially ones that play an effective cover three more often than not like Jacksonville does, are going to lean on, no, let's take the deep ball out of play and force them to just death by a thousand cuts if they're going to beat us. And honestly, there are a lot of offenses that are perfectly fine with death by a thousand cuts. They don't mind it at all because for them, yardage is yardage. As long as you're moving forward and not moving backward or not moving at all because of incompletions or deflections, it's a positive. And more importantly, it's it's a lot less of a risk as far as trying to throw the ball deep into coverage and having it intercepted because, you know, it happened twice in the second half against Jacksonville. God forbid you have that happen more frequently. So, yes, if you have to have that, situ- that situation where, hey, you know teams are taking George Pickens away 
and taking it deep all the way, okay, fine. That opens you up for opportunities with Deontay Johnson, which, by the way, short to intermediate, I'll say this again, short to intermediate is his strong suit. That's his yeah. forte. That's where he is the most efficient. That big play last week against L.A., it wasn't like it was a deep shot down the field. It was a pass that was short to intermediate that he got in space, broke a couple tackles, beat some guys, and turned it into a big game. That is where he is really at his best. Not to mention the fact, okay, fine. You want to try to take away uh, George Pickens deep? You got Deontay Johnson short to intermediate. Oh, yeah, we got this other guy, too, that runs like, you know, four two four three. Get him in space and roll the dice with that one. Pick your poison there. So there, there's options that they can go with that maybe not, you know, they may not be the ideal of having the option of going to George Pickens down the field, but you take what you can get and use that. You, you use it like a jab almost. I'm, I'm going to use a boxing metaphor again. I did this during week one. But that is the equivalent of using your jab to set up your power punch because now they can use those short to intermediate pass plays and get the defense kind of on their heels and force them to now start worrying about the short and intermediate pass, not to mention the fact that it might even help open up your run game, which will force the defense to come up and start dealing with that too. And now what do you got? One-on-one on one on the outside. Boom. There's George Pickens. It, it, it's, it becomes – it's a sequencing thing more than it's just, okay, let's just do this for the hell of it. Right. It's almost as if they could use a good, big, reliable target in the middle of the field for more than, say, 10 snaps. I, I don't know. It's just a huh. just a thought. Uh, but one of the final things we're going to touch on, and Mike, uh, Mike Tomlin was asked about, is Rodney Williams getting more snaps than Darnell Washington on Sunday. And he said it had something to do with being down multiple scores late. I, I'm not yeah. – maybe, 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 maybe Mike Tomlin isn't totally familiar with Darnell Washington's game. I mean, I would think he is. He drafted the man. Um, but Darnell Washington, I, I, I saw in training camp – granted, it's training camp. And in the preseason – granted, it's preseason. Uh, run routes like a wide receiver. Tap his toes in in the corner of the end zone like a wide receiver and still be able to block like an offensive tackle. I don't understand what's going on that they're not utilizing him with Pat Fryermuth out, that they're afraid to just get him on the field. This is two weeks in a row, two games in a row. Yeah. His snaps have declined rather than gone up. The, the part, there's part of it that I understand, and I understand that they're going to use him a lot more in the run game because they think he's more suited toward the run game. I even understand that the thought process behind, okay, maybe you go to Connor Hayward more when you have 11 personnel in the field because Connor Hayward can do a few different things. And mm -hmm. I get that part. However, however, I, I don't, I'm not confident in the thought of leaving that kind of guy out in the field, especially when you get into situations where you might want a Darnell Washington because yeah, you mentioned it. He could catch some passes here and there. Why not have him out on the field, even if you're an 11 personnel? Because yeah. now the defense has to figure out, are they trying to run? And if they are, if they're in that mindset, you're trying to run, oh, look, there's play action. There's a wide open Darnell Washington in the middle of the field. It, I, I, we talked about this earlier. Does this yeah. offense sometimes get, does it sometimes get too specialized because of guys they have in the game and therefore making them appear more predictable? So just do something a little bit different that just a personnel grouping that they may not see coming. Jacksonville had a play on, on during that game where they ran a play action with a two tight end set, ran a play action, went down the field and turned it into big yardage. 
And I think the Steelers just weren't expecting it because it was two tight ends and they ran play action and they ran it that kind of depth down the field. But that's one of those matchups where you might catch them thinking something else and you use that to your advantage. Why not do that a little bit more with Darnell Washington? Plus, if you're going to run with him at 11 personnel, is that so hard? Is that so no. terrible? No. A guy who's the sixth offensive lineman helping you block in a passing set that might get you some yards for a guy like yeah. Jalen Warren can't be the worst thing in the world unless well, I'm missing the, something. At the very least, get him on the field more than Rodney Williams. Like, I'm sorry. It just right. it, it, it doesn't right. make – like, if I'm, if I'm choosing who I'm going to put out there in those late-game situations or, you know, situations where you're down, whatever it may be, you make a great point about Connor Hayward, right? A little more versatile. He can line up as an H back. He can do all kinds of weird right. little things. But why is Rodney Williams getting more snaps than Darnell Washington? That part, I, I, it does not compute for me at all. If you want to tell me Darnell Washington got fewer snaps because of that situation where you're working from behind, okay, that's that's like you said, I get it. But in favor of Rodney Williams is where I was was lost. The guy who didn't even make the roster out of camp. So that's where I have a hard time. Right, and, and it's and it's obvious that their skill sets are different. It's obvious that Rodney Williams is mm-hmm. more of a pass catching tight end. Although he is starting to take more pride in his blocking, and something that's kind of become like a, a point of contention for him. But at the same time, I'm with you. It, I, I get what you think of him. But you got this guy. You got right. this guy that you you traded back and then he fell to you. And you pretty, from what you told us, you pretty much ran to the podium when he fell to you to get him. Mm-hmm. And there were reasons why you wanted him. How about we explore those reasons in right. real time and get, out, get it out in front and maybe even benefit from it? There, there's very little risk. Very little risk in getting a Darnell Washington out on the field. Because what's the worst he's going to do? Block too many people? I'm 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 confused at that. Yeah. So that, and, that part and at this point is blocking too many people a terrible idea for this offensive line? I don't think so. Given given their run game, it's yeah. It, it, it actually one more quick thing. Mike Tomlin was asked about the run game and how it improved after the bye last year and how they still haven't how they've continued to struggle this year. And he gave an odd response about it not quite being past the midway point of the season. And it was like well. I, you don't have to wait until November to run the ball effectively, Mike. Like you can do that all season. I, I, I again, I, I think he's, he knows the flaws in this offense and he's running out of, of ways to sort of gloss over it. That might've been a little bit of a, of an Easter egg too, because we've heard Mike Tomlin talk about how football changes when the calendar changes. And he talks about how you got to be able to win games in November and win games in December and win games in January. And one of the things he talks about to win games in December and January, one of the ways to do it is running the football. So he he might have given us a small little Easter egg there. Maybe. That's when I yeah. file away and kind of keep that in a drawer and pull that back out later. Because if you want to figure out what a game plan might be down the road in that second meeting against Baltimore, maybe one of those two Ohio games, that might be the, the that might be the nugget you're looking for. They're going to need some help blocking it up, though. The offensive line continues to struggle. And if you want to, if you want to complain about Matt Canada, I'm all here for it. If you're talking about personnel groupings and things like that, route concepts, I just again, I'll repeat what I said late Sunday night, early Monday morning. I don't think he's the number one problem from that loss to Jacksonville. I think there's a bunch of other things 
He's certainly part of it, but weren't you talking uh, about having a guy laying around? Like, weren't you talking about like finding some help of a really big guy that might be able to help with certain problems? I think they got another one of those laying around too, as far as the offensive line's concerned. Pretty oh, sure Broderick, they Bro- pretty sure. Broderick, Broderick Jones. Is that I, I've yeah, heard that, that name guy. somewhere before. That yeah, guy. Yeah, I, I thought some people got him confused with Zach Banner against Jacksonville, but no, that's Broderick Jones. Just so you guys weren't clear. Yeah. What, why I can, did we I can move see up the confusion. Why did we move up to draft a guy who we're using as a tackle eligible? I, I just don't. It, it does not compute for me. Uh, another thing that does not compute as far as personnel I, groupings go. I, I'm not knocking my own headphones off again. I did that yesterday. I'm, I'm going to take it easy. But I, <laughs> the level of frustration I saw, the left, let's just say love frustration I had when I saw that, it, it was – it was rivaled up there with me yelling at people in the Fort Duquesne Bridge. Actually, it's about the same thing. Yeah, it was close. It, it, I, I, I understand why there might be a need for that, but I also understand that you have it in place to where you don't have a need for that. Yeah. So why not just do the other thing? I, I'm confused. I, I, I it's going to take I, a while for me to figure that out. I increasingly, and, and uh, look, I've had this sense really since the first week of the season after they got absolutely waxed by the Niners. There's no confidence in this offense whatsoever from anybody None. anywhere in the building. So, and, and Greg Finley, our producer, just texted, uh, just put in the chat a link to this quote. We were able to get some turnovers, but they weren't the type of turnovers that tee up the offense in terms of being on the short field. I appreciate them. They keep the score down, but they weren't the type of ones that teed up the offense. Do you, do, does a turnover have to be on the short side of the field in order to capitalize on it? That's another for thing. For this offense? Have, yes. For the, exactly. For this that's offense, the, that's it what does. he's telling you. Yes. It does for this offense. You. I mean, what, what's the old saying? The best, the best offense is a good defense. I think they might be taking that a little bit too literally, but I, I actually understood that part, but he also acknowledged the fact that those turnovers were necessary because it kept points off the board for Jacksonville, and he's right, and it probably kept the Steelers in this game. It right. was a 10-point result. It could have been a 20-point result if they don't get one or two of those turnovers in the first half. And that's the thing that gets left out because some people, in particular, I won't say who, are still complaining about the defense and how good they aren't. And I'm sitting right. there going, do you realize how much worse this game could have been if they didn't have those three turnovers in the first half? You could have been down, what, as much as 17 maybe at halftime as opposed to just six. It could have been way worse. So, yeah, it, it's it's kind of weird to think, okay, well, these turnovers didn't help the offense because you weren't on the plus side of the field. But it also, it also did help the offense because they didn't have to work from as far behind as they potentially could have like they had to against Houston and against San Francisco. It was just a mess Sunday. The penalties didn't help. The turnovers did, even if they didn't help enough. And somehow... Here they are, four and three. I threw this up as a cheap heat kind of Twitter poll Sunday night. Who's the better four and three team, the Steelers or the Jets? Oh, that face says it all. <laughs> I will say the Steelers only because they beat, they've beaten better teams. Okay. They've beaten Baltimore. Yeah. They've beaten Cleveland. And Cleveland's a better four and three team than the Jets. That's Baltimore's yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had to rank team. them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, granted, another loss is another win is over the Rams, who are now three and five. Yeah. But people love Sean McVay. 
So a win over Sean McVay is a win over Sean McVay. If you want and you and you 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 won that game on the road. Yeah, so I will go with I'll the Steelers. For, yeah. I will go with the Steelers just because of the quality of the wins they got. Beating Vegas, I don't really count. That's but it's know. it's by the hair on the chinny chin chin. And that's kind of yeah. scary that it's Zach Wilson's Jets are only this far behind Kenny Pickett's Steelers. And that's Yeah, we're we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers' Jets. We're talking no. about Zach Wilson's Jets, Mm-mm. which makes this conversation so strange. But when you when you have to get down into the granular details of how each team won and who they beat, and the Jets had to squeak past the Giants, that's that's a slight edge, slight edge, slight to the Kenny Pickett Steelers over the Zach Wilson Jets. Who, by the way, those same Jets beat the Steelers at Acrisure Stadium last year. Yes, the same Zach Kenny Pickett's first ever action in an NFL game. There you go. There you go. I will say this, though, guys. The Jets beat Buffalo, and the Jets beat yeah. Philadelphia. They beat fair. the Eagles, and the, that fair. is the only loss that the Eagles have had this year. Fair. That is so, fair. hmm. That's I fair. don't know what the hell to make of things anymore. Thanks, Greg. I, Appreciate I will, it. I'll count the Eagles win. I don't know if I want to count the Buffalo win as much anymore. No? I the Bills aren't as good as, as people thought they were going to be. They're, they're not as good as they should be. I, I would totally wrong agree there. with that. Yeah. It, yeah. I expected more out of Buffalo. I was I was high on Buffalo last year. I thought Buffalo really had a shot. I loved that roster, the way it was put together. They had a lot of depth. They had a really good defense. They had an offense that can score from anywhere. And that promise kind of went out the window last year. And it's gotten worse this year. Here's a safe conclusion we can all agree on. Four and three on the AFC side of the bracket does not necessarily make you good. No. That is a very true statement. Yeah. Because that's a lot of teams right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say, I shouldn't say it's a lot of teams, but there's a handful of teams that fit that description. And, you're talking about Steelers, and, Jets, Browns, uh, Bengals. Are they four they're, and three now? They're on the up and up, though. The Bengals they're four and three. The Bengals again. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, you take the four and three teams in the AFC, and it kind of feels like Cincy – and then the other guys and the other guys all have glaring holes or weak spots or whatever they may be, if not multiple glaring holes or weak spots. I think the AFC just became a lot more existential. What is four and three exactly? Hmm. Hmm. On that note, we'll let you ponder that until we get you the next episode of fourth down in the steel city, which will come to you. Let's see. At some point on Wednesday, we'll get you prepped for Thursday's game. Uh, and whether you get it late Wednesday night or you get it early Thursday morning, get it however you get it. Yeah, however you get the podcast, as my mic just cut out again and my camera, be sure to get it again uh, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, as we will build the game plan and get you ready for Steelers Titans on Thursday night. Thanks to Greg Finley, our producer, for somehow keeping this thing together with duct tape, bubble gum, and chicken wire. Thanks to Josh Taylor. For bearing with my obviously terrible connection here at the office. Yeah, usually it's me. <laughs> well, hey, we just trade places, you know. Yeah. It goes like that sometimes. We share everything around here. On that note, as Chris laughs on his way out, we will we will end it from there. I think Chris was thanking all of us, and thank you guys for joining us both on the podcast side of things and also on the 9370 Fan YouTube page. We will be back to build the game plan and get you ready for Steelers and Titans at Acrisure Stadium Thursday night. I know Chris doesn't call it Acrisure. I kind of have to or I'll get in trouble at work. So that's just how it goes. In the meantime, see you later.